with that. And thank you for listening to Press Watch. You've been listening on 90.7 FM from our great big red and white transmitter on the hill. And I see Heather ready to come in. And uh, you've also been listening on KBOO.FM going out to all the ships at sea. KBOO Community Radio is a proud co-sponsor of the 9th Annual Keaton Otis Memorial on Sunday, May 12th from 6 to 8 p.m. at the Maranatha Church in Portland. Keaton Otis was killed by Portland Police May 12, 2010. Every month since his murder, a vigil has been held at the spot he died. The event will include artists, community members, and leaders, refreshments and information about the monthly vigils held at Northeast 6th and Halsey where Keaton was killed. Again, that's the 9th Annual Keaton Otis Memorial on Sunday, May 12th from 6 to 8 p.m. at the Maranatha Church, 4222 Northeast 12th Avenue in Portland. More information can be found at kboo.fm on the right side of the homepage under Community Events. This is KBOO Portland. The time is 10.01. Coming up next, the Heather McCoy Show. Heather talks to Blair Stenvik about the recent Mercury article titled The Future of Trans Healthcare in Portland. At 11 on Between the Covers, host Susan Legrand interviews Amy Stanton and Catherine Connors, authors of The Feminine Revolution. And at 11.30, Words and Pictures features Peter Bragg, artist behind anarchic characters Buddy Bradley and Martini Baton, talks about his life in alternative comics. All of these KBOO programs are made possible by member support. If you'd like to become a member, go to kboo.fm or use our mobile app and click on Donate. KBOO Community Radio is a proud co-sponsor of The More Who Die, The Less We Care, confronting genocide and the deadly arithmetic of compassion on Thursday, May 9th from 6 to 8 p.m. at the Oregon Jewish Museum and Center for Holocaust Education in Portland. The more who die, the less we care. Why does this occur? Professor Paul Slovak will discuss why people and governments ignore mass murder and genocide. His most recent work examines psychic numbing and the failure to respond to mass human tragedies. Again, that's The More Who Die, The Less We Care on Thursday, May 9th from 6 to 8 p.m. at the Oregon Jewish Museum and Center for Holocaust Education, 724 Northwest Davis Street in Portland. More information can be found at kboo.fm on the right side of the homepage under Community Events.
The Heather McCoy Show. And welcome to The Heather McCoy Show. Joining us later in the hour will be Portland Mercury reporter Blair Stinvik to talk about her recent article about how the future of healthcare, trans healthcare, is here in Portland. Then rounding out the hour, I'll be giving a theory about Donald Trump's tax returns. Hint, where's the money, Lebowski? Uh, but first, we are joined by freelance reporter Mac Bivens, who has uh, witnessed, uh, who was a witness to the May Day mayhem, which uh, presumably had Patriot Pair driving across state lines to invade a private event at Cedar Riot. Welcome to the show, Mike. Oh, hi. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, um, so, uh, I first came across your, I first came across your work uh, last summer during the Jerry Gibson for Washington Senate campaign um, when he was campaigning in Portland. Uh, <laughs> what got you interested in covering fascist movements and how long have you followed Patriot Prayer and the Proud Boys? Uh, what got me interested was, I'd say, the 4th of July, 2016. Uh, there was a flag burning scheduled in downtown Portland and then, you know, some you know leftist folks showed up. To, they actually, you know, they did, um, you know, try to burn the flag. They did burn the flag, but some right-wing people came out, and they basically just fought at the waterfront. And it was, you know, fairly similar. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't as brutal, but um, you know, they were uh, you know fighting, tussling, and it's like you know, where are the police? You know, while this is going on, and that's you know, kind of my that was my first taste of you know political violence, you know, inflicted on you know people just uh, you know flag burning. It's like free speech, right? And so it's like yeah, you know. That's protected anyway, free speech. So, so you know, it's uh, it started there and it hasn't really stopped since for me. Really. In 2016, there are the current groups that are known as Patriot Prayer and Proud Boys. Were they form? Were they formed then, or was it more of a looser coalition that would later become those mm. groups? Well, those people who showed up that day, I'm not sure. But then uh, things got certainly more organized once Donald Trump uh, came around. You know, people came out of the woodwork, out of the shadows. People who were already there, they just uh, you know, got organized. Yeah. Pub um, pub publicly, got organized publicly anyway. Yeah. Um, with the resignation of Gavin McGinnis from the leadership of the Proud Boys, personally, it felt like the Patriot Prayer and the Proud Boys activity declined for a while before picking up in late winter with their alleged attacks on trans people. Does my perception fit reality? And is there any way to estimate if the two groups' membership is growing or on on the decline? I mean, just to, to talk about McGinnis, What's his name? Gavin McKines? I think yeah, yeah um, I can uh, never say it yeah. right. Um, but yeah, with him, like, I don't really feel like, like, if I wasn't, like, plugged into the internet and able to see what was going on, you know, in New York City and different places, uh, you know, I'm not sure I, I've ever even heard Gavin McKines' name, you know, at a local Patriot Prayer or uh, Proud Boys um, thing. And, it, and, uh, yeah, so I feel like he's just some like weird figurehead that kind of got the thing started, and then you know as gangs tend to do, they things just kind of get out of control. They start doing their own thing, and then you know they kind of evolve on their own. Yeah, yeah, yeah just kind of you know like 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 a, like a cancer. Yeah, and I do want to mention um, for this segment we are taking your calls. The number is five zero three two three one eighty one eighty seven. That's five zero three two three one eighty one eighty seven. If you want to join in on the conversation. Um, Oh, oh, but as far as yeah. like, like like the membership numbers, I mean, with Patriot Prayer, the people who come to those rallies, it's really like uh, it seems to like a like it'll they'll go up and then they'll go down. So right now, I mean, the numbers seem kind of low, you know. But and then there's a schism between them and the Proud Boys, like Joey Gibson and the Proud Boys. They don't get along anymore. Uh, I guess they uh, you know kind of 
got wind of how he kind of, you know, just kind of brings people in and then they figure out, hey, maybe this isn't what I thought it was. And then they leave and then he waits for some new people to come in. And so. So basically, it, what's the rift or do you know? Uh, um, gee, I, uh, I, I couldn't say officially. I mean, okay. it's just them just going, just John back and forth online a lot, just talking trash. So it's hard to really, you know, who knows what really, ha- only they really know what happened. Are these happening uh, in public forums or is it a, like a private Discord chat? Oh, oh I, ooh, Discord, I don't, I'm not even, I've never actually used Discord for, just, oh, okay. uh, uh, on the side, but uh, no, it's just on, on like Facebook usually or, or Twitter, like uh, some of the figures in those movements will just kind of air the dirty laundry and then I'll, you know, track them from time to time. I mean, I tried to spend too much time looking at these guys' Facebook just really not healthy but uh <laughs> no. so you know I, I i try to focus on the small details too much but you know it is interesting to note that they're just bickering yeah um aside from joey gibson the most known patriot prayer member is a guy named tiny who was not at the events that took place on may day does anyone know if he broke away from the group or is he afraid of arrest because at one time i think there was a warrant out for his arrest uh, yeah yeah there were uh I believe there were like quite recently warrants. Uh, I'm not sure how that played out, but uh, yeah, it's yeah, it's really different without him out there. Like at the May Day rally, you know, I wonder how things would have been if he was there. You know, he's a you know, he's a big guy. He's a big guy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, he's not willing. You know, he's willing to always you know throw a punch, and so I don't. You know, who knows what would have happened? But yeah, he's he seems to have dipped out of the picture. Because he's really noticeable because he's very large, as you say. And then he also, you know, if, you, you, if you're if you a centrist out there, and going back to the last show, if you're a centrist out there and they're like, oh, these people are just free speech and whatever. Tiny likes to wear shirts that say, like, drop leftists out of helicopters or something like that. Right, right. So the whole uh, Pinochet um, thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they, um, that's their guy. Yeah. Um, so the, um. The, let's uh, uh, so there's been a lot of focus on the Proud Boys Patriot Bears showing up at Cedar Riot and attacking the group that was there, which included Antifa. Uh, but your Twitter feed shows that their group was the groups are active throughout the day. Describe their actions and encounters leading up to Cedar Riot. Uh, let's see. Well, it started out down at uh, what is it? Was it Carruthers Park? Kind of at the uh, South Waterfront. Uh, some right wingers showed up down there. You know, Joey Gibson and company. And, uh, you know, there was just a lot of, uh, you know, just John back and forth, posturing, you know, nothing, nothing really serious. So happened. they were kind of just like harassing passerbys with, uh, well, just, just the people at the rally. There's uh, yeah, you could say they were harassing people at oh, the rally. Okay. Yeah, that would be accurate. Um, and then, uh, they eventually left and then, uh, you know, the march started and then they went down to the ice building. They followed them down to the ice building. And so there was more just, you know, back and forth between the two groups again nothing you know, nothing like no fighting or anything like that i think somebody did try to <laughs> try to take joey gibson's hat he got it back uh <laughs> you know small stuff uh but then uh you know things uh, escalated later once uh, there was a like a proud boys rally by benson high school my high school across the street okay um uh what is it and then several of those people you know, the Proud Boys went away. Several of those people joined up with Joey Gibson later because, as I said, uh, you know, there's a there's a rift there between uh, Gibson and the Proud Boys. And so, you know, it's around sunset, you know, about 730. They uh, 
you know, Joey Gibson and the people who had left the Proud Boys rally. But some of those people, like one of the guys, what's his name? I gotta look at this guy's name here. I apologize. <laughs> oh, you're you're perfectly fine. While well, he's looking for the name, that I just want to remember that we are taking phone calls five five zero three two three one eighty one eighty seven. And oh, you got the name? Oh yeah. Oh, okay. yeah so this guy, uh, Jake Adkins, who was there, he was wearing the anti-communist action shirt. He was actually on the video getting beat up by the uh, the masked fellow outside of uh, oh, was side that of riot. The, was that the like the bad MMA fight? Yes. yes. <laughs> okay. I, thought, I thought it was entertaining, just as a fan of the sport and uh, <laughs> combat sports in general. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the one that guy, he was uh, one of these uh, Antifa left wing accounts who were actually really good at outing the the right wingers. You know, they're better at it than reporters. Actually, it's a secret of um, things. But anyway, he he, you know, they uh, put him on uh, you know screenshots. Him saying, you know, I'm a proud boy. This and that. So like I said, the gang thing. You know, your gang gets out of control. You don't really, you know, you can't account for all your members. So they're, um, when they moved on Cider Riot, there was a Proud Boy. What happened on I-84 before I get to Cider Riot? I-84, oh, the, the overpass? Yeah. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, what, um, just they were waving flags, uh, thin blue line flags. Uh, there was, uh, I mean, a couple of counter-protesters did, were there, maybe like, maybe two or three there's a there's a person with a sign and another masked person standing next to them uh few police not a lot of police there um but a couple dozen proud boys i was just meaning to ask you this is kind of a non this is kind of like a non sequitur within my line of questioning but you seem to know be able to follow them very uh well uh, how do you keep up? To, is it just following them on Facebook and Twitter? Or like, how do you follow them? And I mean, most of them they'll post their actions like, uh, like, like publicly, or it'll be spontaneous. It'll be like spontaneously, right? Yeah. And so, uh, or um, they'll just like, like vocally announce. I think some. I think something got hit. But um, yeah, continue. Yeah, or like, I mean, they're very loud with their actions. Like uh, after the uh, after the. Um, the ice rally, you know, they uh, announced, hey, we're going to have this, like, what was it called? Like a, loyal, quote, loyalty day rally in the park, you know, public, mm-hmm. you know, advertised on Facebook publicly. So that's where it started. And then they're like, all right, guys, we're going to go march around. So I just followed them. Then they're like, oh, we're going to go, what did they say? They're going to go up to Holiday Park. And then, you know, so I just follow, you know, I just follow these guys around, you know. And uh, they're like, oh, we're going to get on the max. I happen to have my bus pass with me. So I'm like, cool, you know, get on the max with these guys. Then they go up there, you know, then they go up there and then they just decide to get off at some point. I don't know what's going on. You know, we're like a block from Holiday Park. Then they're waiting for somebody, waiting, waiting, waiting. And I'm like, I, I, you know, I, I just wait. And a lot of the time it's just it's just super spontaneous. And then, like, with the Cider Riot thing, like, they were blabbing about it on the bridge, I-84, like, yeah, look, you know, Cider Riot's right around here. And I'm like, okay, they're probably going to go to Cider Riot. So, so are do they know that you're press or like what do they I mean you they've got to see you at multiple things now I mean they they recognize me mostly but I feel like they realize it's like in the end it's probably not worth it to like harass me too much cuz it's going to make them look bad and cuz here here's how I get over on them sometimes I hate to put it like that but you know like I've had the proud boys kind of like like corner me and be like rah 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 you know you know the media bad 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 or whatever and, you know, uh, it's like, okay, dude, I thought you guys loved the Constitution. And, you know, in the Constitution, you know, there's uh, a freedom of the press. And then they're like, well, no, 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 we love the con- we love the Constitution. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, come on, you guys. Like, so, I mean, it's, 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 it's weird. It's weird, but they, 
mostly leave me alone. Yeah. Um, in the recent Baffler issue, Alex Preen writes, uh, and quote, and so many of the ways certain white teenagers yield the Trump banners of magma hats show their obvious leanings as symbols of militant white identity. When the Patriot Prayer Group was writing to Max, the picture clearly shows this that intent as well as to intimidate other passengers. Uh, was What was the mood like on the train when you were on the Max? Uh, it was seemed pretty like like you know kind of quiet you know and then uh some, i mean did the other passengers know who these people were or were they, was it everyone was just looking at their <laughs> cell phone and you know yeah, yeah. there's fascists on the train but I've, i'm on my facebook page yeah i mean it was just super like quiet i mean i don't know if it did register with people like exactly what was going on but uh you know people get on with with flag you know u.s flags and then strange flags you're like you know what's going on but yeah i'm not sure like with but with me i knew i'm like okay this is this is pretty weird and i don't know if the other people exactly understand if the mm -hmm. passengers understand how weird this is but so I'm, I'm not sure what was going through their minds in your travels with the with, in these in these groups when you're covering them um one time i was riding my bike through downtown portland and i saw a toyota uh suv and it had a three percenter sticker on and it's like one of those weird things where like i was thinking well i'm surprised like patriot prayer and proud boys don't hook up with them more often and i like it seems like there's a lot of little fractions of groups mm. within this area but we're kind of lucky that they don't well, kind of band together I mean, or? well the with the with the three percenters uh, i know there was uh what was that in 2017 there was some people who would you know claim the you know they they were quote in, you know i'd say you'd say they were in the mix sure for a minute there but i haven't heard anything of them since so okay. you know as i was saying these groups you know they they, they come and go and you know, they think, you know, they hear Gibson talk and they think, oh, hey, this is something I might be interested in. But then they get really deep into it and then they realize, like, you know, wait a minute, um, I think I'm in too deep and this isn't what I, you know, I got more than I bargained for. And then they, they scoot out. Yeah. Um, so, like, the people that get more than what they bargained for, they can recognize this as a fascist movement. Uh, you know, I, you know, <laughs> you'd, you'd, you'd hope so. Yeah. I hope so. Um... Describe the events that occurred at Cedar Riot. So it, they were basically at the I-84 bridge and they walked over there? Or like, how did... Okay, so I'm 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 local, you know, I'm in yeah. this area, like, you know, it's my neighborhood here. And so uh, once the, uh, when they were on the bridge, I was like, okay, I can like, I can go home now for a second, you know? And so I, you know, because I heard they were going to go to Cedar Riot, I was like, I'll dip out and come back. On my way back... I spotted uh, one of the fellows. I don't know, I guess he was like running a recon mission, you know, because you, you could see him by himself. And I was like, okay, you know, they're in the neighborhood. And then uh, I end up going up there back to the group. And I had passed Cider Riot. And, and I, I, I promise, I didn't know what was going on there. I was just like, holy crap, there's like a lot of, there's a lot of people there. And they've got like the sharp patches. But I didn't see anybody like masked up. But clearly, you know, people were, you know, in the left you know what what is known as antifa you know yeah. what you would call antifa uh you know people in that movement uh were there and so i was like oh man something's probably if these if, the, if these people come to cider right something bad's gonna happen to somebody like one way or another probably and then so uh you know i go back to meet up with that group the, the fellow comes back and he's like oh my god there must be a hundred of them and uh you know some of them are like you know should we stay or should we go uh some people left and others were like, you know, F it. We're going to go hassle these people. And 
they uh, kind of went, you know, made like a, I don't know, made like a circle by, you know, kind of catty corner to it. And there was some yelling and then they left and then I kind of hung out and then what was it? And then all of a sudden it's, oh, there's Joey Gibson and co. And then they came in and about what, about seven thirty, and uh yeah the rest is on mostly on video yeah um i remember reading somewhere that the the proprietor of uh cider riot turned one of his um rooms into like a first aid kit like how there's one woman i saw that was knocked out and then there was an a mma style fight um like how much um like what was like the, the casualties in terms of in, like injuries there I mean, I didn't, uh, I mean, you know, I didn't, you know, talk to people too much at the, uh, at the side of right, you know, at side right and say, Hey, you know, how are you guys doing? Cause I feel like, uh, you know, you've probably been through a lot right now. I don't, you know, yeah. I don't really want to <laughs> hassle you guys too much, you know? And so, uh, but you know, there was the lady who got clubbed, uh, you know, a lot of people got maced, uh, but as far as, uh, like, you know, grave injuries, I think there was just the, just one. Just one, I, I, I believe. So what finally dissipated it? Because I think the cops are kind of, you know, pardon the old phrase, eating yeah. donuts around the corner for quite a long time. Uh, yeah, well, right by Voodoo too. I mean, Voodoo. it's possible. <laughs> it's possible. You know, anything's <laughs> possible. But uh, what is it? Uh, yeah. Well, what happened? What really dissipated it was. I mean, you know, they were having the fight. They lost, and so they're like, okay, you know, I guess they'd had some agreement in place apparently where if we lose this fight we'll go that's just a rumor though i'm yeah you know and uh what is it and so you know but so those two people fighting were kind of served up like hunger games where like the defeat of one would like the one group would go or like i mean well whatever happened the other people they were you know leaving after that fight you know and then uh you know they were making their way but again there was still some john back and forth and then you know, things flared up again after the fight. And then, uh, you know, some of that lady got clubbed. And then at that point, the people just took off, you know. Yeah. You, there was like a video I saw one of them posted them just like weaving and cutting through this neighborhood to, to get away. Um, and then I followed uh, the, the uh, you, call, you know, aunt, quote, Antifa, you know, a few blocks up the street. Um, you know, then they came back. And so, yeah, pretty much just the lady getting clubbed. Um, it was kind of like, whoa, this is serious. The other people dipped out, and then there were no right-wingers left at that point. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Gibson live-streamed the events at Cedar Riots. I guess he's a mighty enough player in the alt-right that he escaped the Instagram, Facebook purge of alt-right figures last week. Uh, how does Jerry Gibson use his live stream? Is it for fundraising purposes, or is it to further, um, further his narrative that he's just a, quote, free speech warrior? I mean, at this point, I think it all goes back to money. Like, yeah. Like, like, everything. So everything he's crowdsourcing a lot of this stuff? Uh, yeah, I think in the end, it's ultimately just, you know, because you'll see him, he posts his links to fundraising efforts, you know, pretty consistently. So I feel like money's, if money's not the biggest part of it, it's certainly one of the biggest components. Yeah. And again, whatever he's doing. Again, if you have any comments on this segment, um, we're talking to Mike Bivens. He's a freelance reporter, and uh, he's been following um, fascist movements for, since 2016. And um, we're we're, we're going to take your calls. 
Uh, outside of Portland, there's been a lot of news on the so-called alt-right. Uh, the, uh, the alt-right news site Got News filed for Chapter 7 bankruptcy. BuzzFeed has an article about a former Breitbot.com editor, Katie McHugh, uh, about leaving the alt-right and trying to repair her life. Um, are we trying? Are we starting to see a wider movement, um, like continuing um, to fall apart uh, post Charlottesville? Uh, I mean, well, these right wing groups are really getting the, the heat put on them now, like legally, you know, and uh, yeah. and now we're seeing that with the with the cider riots, uh, uh, ownership, yeah, you know, suing or um, you know, uh, taking legal action against Patriot Prayer and others named in. Uh, that lawsuit and people involved in the Charlottesville, um, uh, what is it, incident are also, you know, caught up in just legal troubles. It's like the law is, you know, it's going to catch up with you. Hopefully, I mean, you know, a lot of times it doesn't, but, you know, some people are trying to make sure that it does. We'll why, why? I mean, um, I know historically why law enforcement hasn't stepped in, but, like, it seems to be pretty obvious that these people are like causing trouble they're gangs and they're fascists and like they in Charlottesville I think they beat somebody in a parking garage and the cops are around the corner and did nothing why are so why are they so apathetic do you have a theory on this oh man I mean not I mean I don't have like a prevailing theory I mean you know there's been talk of you know some of the cops are in league with you know these uh you know the white supremacists and whatnot oh the text messages that i mean no no just just in general okay you know just in general across you know the country it's been a criticism and then that has turned out to be true in some cases you know and then we have our local uh you know mark uh, mark kruger yeah you know the um he builds the not built the nazi shrines you know i have not heard Mm -hmm. of him yeah kruger uh yeah kruger with the portland police bureau Oh. Looking to him, he's an interesting guy. <laughs> um, in the uh, piece about Katie McHugh, which who I invited on the show and she did not respond, uh, the author has Steve Bannon quoted as saying about uh, the racist group American Resistance, quote, we're all fighting the same fight. Uh, we saw earlier in a BuzzFeed article which found that Bannon and Milo were working openly with uh, white nationalist groups, it seems like these groups are extremely interconnected and it doesn't take uh, six degrees of Kevin Bacon's to get like Peter Thiel and the philosophical thinking of uh, Moldbug to get connections between them. Um, have you researched any connections between the, our local Patriot Prayer group and wider uh, movements? Because little small donations on Patreon or whatever doesn't seem like it could make up for the larger institutional support some of these groups seem to have. Yeah, I mean, basically, I'm just waiting for somebody to come to me and be like, look, Mike, here are these receipts for, you know, these large amounts of money we've been giving to Joey Gibson. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, outside of that, I don't know really how we could, you know, really, really prove that, you know, he's getting large amounts of funding, even though it's like highly suspected, you know. Uh, Yeah, I don't. And as far as like connections to outside groups, I mean... Jeez. I mean, he, 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 he gets around, you know, like I think there was some like they're going to New York or like was it Albany. There's some pro like some right wing, pro- some uh, 
I think Gibson thing and all. I think Gibson appeared on Fox News once or twice. I mean, yeah, and, yeah. Then, he's on, and he's on Infowars a lot, and that's the th- and you know the thing with Infowars customers is is they're used to you know getting sold to buying uh you know Alex Jones's pills and whatever, <laughs> so you know they got money to spend, so it's a you know safe oh. bet to go on on Infowars to try to siphon off some of those customers. You or, or you know, fresh bodies with money in the bank account. Yeah, it would have been easier for Alex Jones to just drop the conspiracies and just open up his own competitor to GNC. Yeah, <laughs> really. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, there's money to be made there on those, uh, you know, like radiation protection pills or whatever <laughs> he's selling over there. Yeah. Um, so, like, where do you see this all going? I mean, are you? Do you see? Think that there's going to be? Um, do you think these groups are going to persist and that we're going to just have um, black shirts for a while or <laughs> like, like where is this going in your estimation? I mean, geez. Well, I've, I've been saying since like 2017 when, you know, when the fighting really started and, you know, consistently that, uh, you know, eventually someone's going to get killed out there. And you know, I feel like that's inevitable. You know, that could have happened. You know, we're lucky that one person didn't die after getting clubbed you know, at the side of riot. And then there's just been so many instances of people just getting the, just, just the living crap beat out of him. And it's like, man, and you, you could have died. And I'm like, thinking back to June when the police shot the canister and it lodged into somebody's helmet. Yeah. That's yeah. 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 The, yeah, the police. And the, yeah, that's the thing. The police response to all this too. It's like, you know, some, like somebody somehow through some way, like could get killed, you know? You yeah. Know, and it will, it will not surprise me if it does happen. And it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mike is on hold. Uh, Mike, uh, you're on the air. Oh, thank you, Kebu. Um, yeah, appreciate the journalist coming on board. That's great. Just to give some basic info and the the on the ground. That's great. Appreciate it. Oh, thank uh, you. Is that it? Do you have uh, a question or? Um, what's a good way for citizens uh, to highlight the? Uh, well, actually, take pictures of these like follow these people to their um, cars and get their license plate pictures and then and get all that information together and flash drive whatever and, or digitally send it over text or whatever uh, traceable or untraceable but who to send it to and when and how and um, I, I can add that there's a lot of I mean uh, Center um, Southern Poverty Law Center and that sort of thing tracks these things but uh, something more locally would be better and, and cop watch and all that stuff. But also, um, I know the feds are all over this, and that's not my words. That's the county assessor here in, in Vancouver, Clark County. Um, Vancouver, not so much, but Clark County is a hotbed uh, home base for the KKK. And I, I was waiting for you to mention that it was pretty recently, like you mentioned, legal issues. The feds labeled a few of these organizations as domestic terrorist hate groups so let's treat them for the respect that they deserve and and do our job due diligence you know and and at the very least bear witness don't put yourself in danger don't get you know too aggressive or anything you can even be sneaky but um get pictures get send them somewhere so help me out there thanks Oh, you're you're quite welcome. Um, Mike, answer my oh, question. Uh, <laughs> uh, geez, I mean, uh, I mean, I'm, I mean, really, I'm not gonna tell you what to what to do in that regard. And I would just say, be careful. You know, just whatever you do, do be very careful because you know, following these people around, you know, t- you know, they see you taking a picture of them, you know, or their license plate, they might, 
you'll get upset. So just be very careful with whatever you do do. And, uh, and on enough. their bigger events, I think they board a bus in Vancouver anyway. So like if right, they do yeah. bus some of them in. Yeah. yeah, they do bus in. So like you would be have to be in Vancouver or up in Washington and then take the pictures of license plates. And you, and then the other thing too, is you don't know what license plate you're getting, right? So it could be a shopper yeah. at some grocery store. It can, it's not going to always be um, a Patriot for a proud boy. Yeah. Cause they like the, that was the other funny thing is they, I think last summer, I think you tweeted about this actually, like they parked in a store parking lot and then they got towed when they came back. Uh, um, so <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. There was something we had, like they supposedly got towed from Fred Myers. Yeah. Like, yeah. That like, was it. I mean, yeah, that was, yeah. it was, was kind of funny, but did you have any uh, other thoughts before we say goodbye for the, t- uh, I mean, I'm not sure. Just everybody be really careful <laughs> with whatever, you know, with everything. Yeah. Everybody just be careful. Have Have you seen, before we go, uh, just want to follow up on this because I haven't seen anything on Facebook in a while. Are there still alleged attacks happening against LGBT people at in, night in Portland or is that kind of gone away? Because that was a thing in, in January and February, if I mm, recall. I mean, I think that, I mean, I think that's like, I mean, I'm not like I'm definitely not the person to to ask like yeah. about like historical um you know LGBTQ um you know just in general, but I I do believe it has been just like a historical like a pattern of of violence in this country against uh the, oh against well there there was some there but, was there in right. like in February there was some alleged that the Patriot Prayer was going yeah. around. I mean, I don't know if that was them like necessarily them, but it would not surprise me if they were just right wing people you know yeah driving around doing these things that would not surprise me at all okay my guest has been mike bivens uh you can follow him at twitter um where's some other good places to find your work uh uh let's see uh, just google mike bivens uh on twitter i-t-s-m-i-k-e-b-i-v-i-n-s cool um, yeah and then uh when we come back we're gonna be talking with blair uh steinvik and we're uh she's gonna be talking about how the future of trans health care is in portland um this is the heather mccoy show
Heather McCoy Show. Welcome back to the Heather McCoy Show. Transgender, binary, and gender nonconforming people have had a lot of issues getting affirming health care that reflects their gender status. My guest, Portland Mercury writer Blair Stenvik, has found that the future of trans health care is in Portland. Welcome to the show, Blair. Thanks for having me on, Heather. Oh, you're very welcome. What sets the Oregon Health and Science University's transgender health program apart from other trans programs here in Portland as well as across the country? Right, that's a good question. Um, so there are definitely a lot of great places where trans people um, can access health care here in Portland and also around the country. Um, what sets OHSU trans health program apart is that it has these different pieces to it. Um, it's part of a huge university medical system, and so it's able to be um, kind of covering a lot of ground. It sort of serves as a great entry point for people who are starting the process of transitioning um, that you can kind of access all these different services through that one entry point. Um, it also does a lot of work to make the OHSU community um, more trans-friendly, and it's, I think, working on um, beginning to educate students at the OHSU Medical School, um, because the major problem right now in trans healthcare is just a lack of uh, qualified and experienced doctors who know how to do things even as simple as uh, prescribing hormones or when you get into the different specialties, for example, um, you know, with plastic surgery. A lot of plastic surgeons aren't trained in these procedures um, that are often associated with transitioning. So I just view, uh, yeah, what sets that program apart is all the different um, elements of it under one roof. Uh, Tobin Cox, who you interviewed, is involved with OHSU. They state that the most basic need is for more doctors to prescribe hormone therapy from the patient in. This always strikes me as odd. Personally, as a trans woman, I take three estrogel tablets and two spinal lactones. The doctor checks my liver once a year, and it's done. Easy. Aside from mm -hmm. prejudice, what are some of the institutional barriers that don't allow trans people to get hormone therapy and other affirming care uh, around the country? Right. I think um, that's a great question and a great point, um, that it is a fairly simple thing for doctors to prescribe, but I think... Um, for doctors, particularly in areas that, unlike Portland, maybe there's just not a lot of information or visibility around transgender issues, um, doctors worry that um, hormones might conflict with other prescriptions or medications, and even if that's not the case, they simply haven't been educated. It wasn't included in their education when they went to medical school, um, you know, what hormones mean for a patient. Um, so I think a lot of it is just um, maybe doctors assuming it's more complicated than it is and them not having those resources and the continuing education resources, which is also a big part of what OHSU is doing. While OHSU doctors are gender affirming and do not question an individual's gender identity, you found that some trans patients had uh, some issues with affirming uh, pronouns and names due to their computer system that they call EPIC. The system displays the name and gender of the patient and uh, what the patient was assigned at birth. Do you know if EPIC, uh, the system, 
Um, do they change that uh, if the patient has gone through the process of changing their name plus birth certificate, or is it happening to uh, patients that are just uh, starting to live their authentic lives and their dead name is still their, quote, official name? Right. That's a great question as far as people who have gone through the process of changing their birth certificate. Um, I'm not sure if I actually have the answer to that. Um, I do know that EPIC will pull information from past medical records. So um, perhaps even if you've had your birth certificate changed, your old medical records maybe don't have that update. And so that problem might still be occurring with EPIC. Um, I can say that when I reported on this story, uh, the folks at OHSU were very excited about an update coming to EPIC in May. So that uh, hopefully should be changing for patients soon. And it, it may sound really trivial to people that aren't trans, but it's a serious issue. And one time when I was living in Orange County still with uh, Kaiser Permanente, uh, before I had my legal name and gender changed, I was sick with the flu plus some other fun stuff. And on part of the report uh, that was printed for me, which is said patient symptoms, uh, along with the flu, uh, it was listed diarrhea and transgender. Um, what are some of the nightmare stories that you've heard in your reporting on this story? Right. Um, well, have you heard of the... Um I should only get this right. I think it's called the trans broken arm syndrome, a broken leg syndrome. Yes. Yeah, so it's this phenomenon um, when transgender people might visit an emergency room, uh, for example, with a broken limb or another um, condition that really doesn't have anything to do with gender identity one way or the other. Um, and yet, because they are trans, uh, their sort of experience at that emergency room will all of a sudden become all about that um, with doctors asking questions that aren't probably necessary um, to treat the situation at hand, but they might not know that again because they lack the medical training to understand how uh, hormones and other things interact uh, with the body. So I think that's um, a big concern, and I think studies show, uh, for example, the 2015 U.S. trans survey showed that for that very reason, a lot of trans people avoid using emergency room until uh, they're forced to. And sometimes it's not even something where it's completely unrelated to with being trans. Like some of the issues that I've dealt with being trans and seeing a doctor was uh, I'll go in for something I'm, I'm complaining about and then they'll look at my medical chart and go, yeah, you're on spinal lactone. Maybe that's the cause. And then they keep wanting to take my spinal lactone away, which is important to keep up my quality of life. Right. I think that's another issue, too, is um, maybe in some doctors' eyes, that medication is seen as something easily dispensable, um, and it might be a situation where they think, well, maybe we should eliminate that and see if the problem goes away. But I think if it was um, a medication, you know, that addressed a different issue, they might not be so cavalier about that. Yeah. Um, another aspect to the program that you cover is something called uh, Here For You. Uh, the program focuses on volunteer peer support before and after surgery, uh, which is huge because a large number of uh, not gender nonconforming and trans people do not have the family support, often due to the very act of coming out. Uh, this seems like a very basic step for trans-related healthcare, but it's not. How did the program start and how is it maintained? Right. Well, I think it started um, 
you know, it's part of the broader uh, Trans Health Program volunteer network. So it's called Here For You because a lot of trans people after uh, having gender affirmation surgery, uh, they'll be recovering on the fourth floor in the hospital. Um, and I think it started really before it became an organized thing with a name. It was just a phenomenon that was happening. A lot of these volunteers were connecting with each other and realizing um, that they maybe didn't have friends or family who were willing or able to help them through that recovery time. Um, so it really started as kind of a grassroots thing, and now they have um, more infrastructure in place. But I think that it keeps that spirit alive of just people helping each other out. The other really cool thing that they have, too, is within the doctor training, they have something called Objective Standard Clinical Examination. Uh, talk about what that program is and how it helps trans patients. Just recently, I believe it was in March, OHSU um, had the first trans-focused OSCE um, on the West Coast ever. Uh, what an OSCE is, is um, I would compare it to a mock trial and that it's a chance for uh, medical students to be in the clinical setting um, and kind of role play an interaction that they might have with a real patient later on. So in this um, situation, it was uh, someone who's non, non-binary and wanted to start home hormones. Um, and what's great about that is that it gave um, medical students a chance to uh, experience it both, um, you know, using their uh, people skills and understanding kind of what a trans patient needs when they um, are going to the doctor just on a human level um, and also understanding uh, from a medical level. And now, you know, those students, uh, when they become practicing physicians, will have the tools they need to prescribe hormones should that uh, opportunity come up with a patient. That's really cool. Um, my guest has been uh, Blair Stanvik. She's a reporter for the Portland Mercury. Her article, The Future of Trans Healthcare is in Portland. Thanks for being on the show this morning. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on, Heather.
Heather McCoy Show. And welcome back to the Heather McCoy Show. I want to thank again Blair uh, Stenvik for being on the show. She had the range things, and uh, we were very lucky to have her on. Um, I really enjoyed that story. Uh, If you haven't picked up the Portland Mercury and read that, it's really worth reading. Um, There's a lot of stories that are negative and sad about um, the trans community at the moment, uh, but especially the fact that uh, the Trump administration wants to look at uh, basically a, the f- false religious freedom thing and saying, oh, doctors can discriminate against trans people. Um, but that story about uh, healthcare in Portland and trans people was more, it was an uplifting thing. Um, so Donald Trump, uh, it was reported by the New York Times, Donald Trump, the man who has lost money in all th- American cultural staples such as football, stakes, airlines, and gambling. Um, he the numbers show in 1985 he reported losses of four point, uh, 46.1 million from his core businesses, largely casinos, hotel, retail space, and apartment buildings. He continued to uh, lose money every year, totaling 1.17 billion losses for the decade, and. Um, in uh, his core businesses in 1990 and 91 um, he lost more than 250 million each year and it was more than double those of the nearest um, taxpayers and the IRS information for those uh, years in 1994 95 he lost nearly a billion dollars but as Fox News uh, notes he does have a big plane He was campaigning on the trail with his plane behind him that's as big as a Delta jet with his name on it. It is, it's, we can't even fathom that kind of money. So I'm sure that they, if you have that kind of money, you look at tax laws, you, you buy things to take a loss so that you make more the next year, but that's not how most of us think. So I think it's interesting to read this article. It's interesting to see that he had a $29 million boat or that he had this. That's a big boat. Yeah, but I don't think it's going to sway anyone at the polls. It intrigues me more, actually. These figures from yeah (laughs) so he has a big plane um so like in so like advanced stats have been used and mostly they've been used in against the working class uh whether it be warehouse workers at amazon uber lyft drivers or baseball players with war which is win above replacement elizabeth warren kind of introduced a billionaire's version of wins above replacement which is war would when she stated the fact that Donald Trump would have been better off financially making zero financial moves on his own and then just investing the money and living off the interest, he would have more money than he has now. And there, and those losses are so large, you really have to question, like, how does he have the big plane? Well, my theory is that, um, and this is courtesy of Maud Lebowski. I keep telling you it's the foundation's money. Father doesn't have any. <laughs> What are you talking about? You're loaded. No, no, the wealth was all mothers. Oh, you run stuff. Uh, but we did know. let him run one of the companies briefly, but he didn't do very well at it. Oh, he's, uh, you know. No, he helps administer the charities now, and I, I give him a reasonable allowance. He has no money of his own. I know how he likes to present himself. Father's weakness is vanity, hence the slut. Yeah, so I think uh, I, I think Ivanka might have swindled him out of like the control over his money, and it's like a conservatorship. And like I would not be shocked if he was on an allowance, and that's one of the reasons why like he's afraid to sh- show people his uh, tax returns. 
Um, it's like I was. It was a lot like the big Lebowski. My thinking on this has gotten completely uptight, and so like, um, I don't know what what made me think of that connection. And I was just like, that that's a plausible. That's certainly something that can happen. Um. So, uh, yeah. The um. Let's see what else is uh, happening. Oh, um, uh, at a, at a Trump rally, uh, he. Uh, one of the attendants joked about murdering um, immigrants. That's that's funny. Ha ha ha. Um, like it's it's the the mood and the atmosphere in this country is very scary. Uh, I was um, I for, I think I left my radio on an AM station here in town, and the caller of this radio show is like, "Oh, we have invading armies and." and Trump needs to treat it like a war and it's just absolute craziness just absolute madness and um it doesn't seem to stop and um and the madness uh according to um I recently read uh Freak Kingdom uh which is a book about Hunter S. Thompson and Hunter experienced this madness when he was covering um the campaign of Get Barry Goldwater and the author, uh, I can't remember his uh, last name, but it's Timothy. Um, he's going to be a sh- guest on the show next week. And um, basically it was, he's kind of relating Hunter's time covering the 1960s and the Republican movement to now. And it's not a far off comparison. And um, and in, in fact, in a lot of ways, they've gotten more paranoid and weird since 1964 so there's that uh and then uh, that's mostly it um this is the heather mccoy show my name is heather mccoy um so freak kingdom is coming up uh next week um that's going to be a really fun show um i hope you're enjoying uh the rest of your afternoon we're going to leave a little bit early um things just didn't line up time wise uh but thanks for tuning in i don't have uh, smoke signals from the speakeasy this week it's going to be next week and um it's every other week i do the music show uh um up next is uh i don't have the run sheet i think it's the book talk um between the covers there we go and um and then the music starts at noon and this is uh the heather mccoy show thanks for listening
KBU Community Radio holds open meetings concerning the operations and programming of KBU in accordance with requirements of the Communications Act of 1934 and certification requirements of the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Information about KBU Community Radio's open meeting policy is available by calling the station at 503-231-8032. Meetings will be held at 20 Southeast 8th Avenue in Portland. The Personnel Committee will meet on the second Monday of each month at 6 p.m. This is KBOO Portland. The time is 10.59. Coming up next on Between the Covers, host Suzanne Legrand interviews Amy Stanton and Catherine Connors, authors of The Feminine Revolution. And 11.30 Words and Pictures features Peter Bragg, artist behind anarchic characters Buddy Bradley and Martini Baton, talks about his life in an alternative comics. All of these KBOO programs are made possible by member support. If you'd like to become a member, go to kboo.fm or use our mobile app and click on Donate. You're listening to KBOO Portland on 90.7 FM, K2A2BH Philomath on 104.3 FM, and K220HR Hood River on 91.9 FM, and on the web at kboo.fm. KBOO programming is made possible by KBOO member listeners and support from Grendel's Coffee House, located at East Burnside Street and 8th Avenue in Portland, offering organic coffee, sandwiches, and more for breakfast and lunch. Grendel's Coffee House is open daily until 6 p.m. More information is available on the Grendel's Facebook page and by phone at 503-595-9550. That's 503-595-9550. 9550. Welcome to Between the Covers. I am your host, Suzanne Legrand, and today my guest is artist, writer, and author Austin Cleon, who is here to talk about his latest book, Keep Going 10 Ways to Stay Creative in Good Times and Bad. Welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so, to begin, could you tell us a little bit about what inspired Keep Going? Yes, Keep Going was born of two things. Um, one, I found myself a few years ago, like many of my colleagues, incredibly distracted by the kind of uh, our nation's descent mm-hmm. into um, madness and, uh, and just kind of the tone of social